Good morning, everybody. Just give me a second to get the most important possession I have. <laughs> it's my Bible. Thank you, Lord. Man, I'm, I'm so, 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 so excited about what the Lord is doing. And uh, I really want to encourage everybody that this is an amazing time to be alive. It really is a super significant time to be alive. And uh, I really felt so strongly in my heart this whole week that um, despite everything happening where it feels like things get a little bit tighter, the squeezing seems to be a little bit more prevalent, that this is by no means a time to shrink back, um, but to shine the light of the Lord, brighter and bolder than ever before. It's really, really important, and, I, and I, I want to encourage us that Jesus has really given us everything we need to be able to do that. It's not about the decisions that we have to make or the things that we have to do to get things right. It's just the all-sufficiency and finished work of Jesus um, that changes everything. And I really believe that the time we're in is, is revealing that more and more in the lives of the church and in the hearts of every single believer um, and I think what's really important is that the Lord is bringing us and has been keeping us in this place of really questioning in our hearts, what do we actually believe? Do we believe the, the scriptures that we, that we read so often, the messages that we hear, even the songs that we sing? Is it, is it a reality in our hearts? And, and very often you only really find that out when it gets a little bit difficult, when those specific things get challenged or you're inconvenienced or, or something like that. You really get to see it. But man, the Lord is so, so, so faithful. He's so good. And what excites me is that when things seem to get more and more impossible for what we want to happen, that's always, always the, the place and the time that God does His best work. All throughout Scripture, every time something looks like it was impossible and that there was just no coming back from what was happening, that is when the breakthrough happens. That is when the power of God breaks through in His people, and it just takes a yieldedness. It just takes being aware and acknowledging what the Lord is doing in this time and, and being faithful, keeping things simple, and loving Him above all else. So I have a bit of a, um, it's a pastoral kind of word that I have on my heart this morning, uh, and I, I've been praying for a lot of grace to deliver it that way. <laughs> um, but it's all good. We, I just want to talk about Jesus. I just want to talk about what He's actually done, what, what He's purchased for every single one of us, and, and, and what that should really look like, what, she, what we should be grabbing hold of every single day, the privilege that we have as sons and daughters. I want to start um, in Hebrews chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, Hebrews chapter 2, just for the sake of time, I'm going to start reading if you're not there yet. Um, but from verse 5, it says, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him. Oh man. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. 
so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. I want to encourage you. I know for myself uh, and, and my family, there have been several times throughout this year where there's been a lot of uncertainty and where you just have no idea what's going to happen. Situations change, things that you thought weren't going to fall away, fall away, and you're like, Lord, what the heck? <laughs> you know, what are we going to do now? Um, I, I'm not seeing as though things are all in your hand right now. You know, um, None of us expected the year to go the way that it did, especially not for the, you know, the things that we were dreaming about for church. But reading this scripture, I, I've not been able to move away from this for so long, just being reminded that nothing, absolutely nothing, has been left outside of the control of Jesus. All things are subject to him. The Lord left nothing outside of his control. And I love it says, even if it's something that we're not able to perceive, even when we're looking at whether it's a job situation, a family situation, a global situation, a church situation, and it's not looking that good, even if I can't perceive the lordship and the control of Jesus in this situation, I have the privilege of being able to see him. And this is a seriously important perspective shift because if I see him who is Lord overall and I embrace him as Lord in my life, I will see his lordship expressed through my life. I will see his control and his lordship. There'll be evidence of it in things all around me. And, I, and I'm confident that every single person in this room has multiple testimonies of how that has happened this year where it, there were lots of things, maybe decisions that you had to make that didn't seem right to the world or things that happened where it's like, oh man, this is it, game over. But he always comes through, even if it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. He is Lord. Jump down just to verse um, 14. It says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Whoa. I'm going to read that again. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Hear my heart in this. I feel it is so, so, so important that we as the church in this time do not fall again into a yoke of slavery that the world um, is trying real hard to put us under right now. It's extremely significant to be aware that we have been freed from slavery. I love Romans 8 talks about you've not received the spirit of uh, uh, fear to fall back into slavery, but the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So, so, so important. We've got to be so careful that whatever happens, did you notice as soon as things started to get a little bit more relaxed, it was like fear just had to whack one more time and go, are you sure that this is what you believe? Are you sure that you're comfortable are you sure that you know who you worship? Are you sure you know that you've been freed from all of these things? And we've got to remind ourselves, he destroyed the one who has the power of death. Like, it shouldn't shock us or surprise us. In fact, it should excite us that the Lord could and will use something that is meant for evil, a tool of the enemy, to in fact destroy the enemy. Right? Come on. Through death, he destroyed the one who has the power of death. Like, God is so big. Jesus is so much bigger than what is happening right now. 
And what I love is what the Lord is doing right now is He's already using this for His glory. Make no mistake. We're not waiting for something to happen. His presence is the happening. We're experiencing Him right now. And uh, what, what's so important about this is, although everything is trying to, to lock us down, squeeze us in, make us afraid, make us shrink back because it's maybe wise to, I really hate it when people say that, um, but what the Lord is doing in this time, He's using all of that to, He's, he's bringing like a, a refining fire, I believe, and it has been here for months now. And it's a little bit uncomfortable sometimes because what it does is it brings impurities to the surface. It brings those little things that were in our hearts that maybe we didn't even know was there. But he never does it to expose or to shame. He brings it up to remove it, to strip it away and liberate us from the things that hold us back from A, experiencing more of him and B, releasing more of him into the world around us. That's in our families. That's in this community right here, in your homes, in a shopping mall, whatever it is. And uh, what I love is we've been saying it for so long, but it needs to be emphasized. If fear is going to try to hit, we need to hit even harder as the church by simply looking to Him who is Lord over all things. And um, the darker that things get, the brighter the, sh- the, the church should become. The Lord is stripping us, and I say that in the most beautiful way, to the simplicity of the gospel again. I believe He's restoring us to the glory that the early church had, and even greater glory, and that we're going to see that now, but it it, it takes believing. Uh, I love that story um, in John 11, the story of Lazarus. And, uh, you know, there's a scripture where Martha says, like, oh, Lord, like, if you'd only been here a couple of days earlier, you know, and Jesus just says something so, so pr- profound, so simple, but so powerful. He said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? If you just believed, you would see the glory of God. Like, it's so simple. I'm, I'm so grateful that there's not even a 10-step program that we have to follow. It's like, just, just believe. You know, you'd think that would be the easier way, but Jesus is like, just look at me. Just believe what I've actually already purchased for you and, and put inside of you. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. It's just knowing Him that we gain access to everything that He's already given us in the first place. And I feel like now, this, this point in time that we're in right now, it's, it's the most significant to let that out. To not cage what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. To not quench the fire that He's um, kindling all around us. He's purifying His bride to walk in power and glory greater than even the early church. And what's exciting about that is that we're going to get to see so many people come to know Jesus. Right now, if you look in the room, it looks like numbers are shrinking, but I promise you they're not shrinking. The Lord is preparing the greatest harvest that we've ever seen. And this is just the stepping stones. And this is why I'm telling you, you need to believe and you need to keep your faith strong. Because if you just look at what's around you, it's easy to lose hope. It's easy to lose vision. That's why it says, even if you can't see that everything is in in His control, what's important is that you see Him. I'll say it again, because if you see the Lord and you encounter His Lordship, you will see the evidence of it in your life. Um. In 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 21. I love this scripture so much. It's 
so significant that in this time, I love Reinhard Bonnke, he talks about people ask him, like, how have you stayed in this place of walking in power and, and being so bold and, and faithful to preach the gospel and seeing so many people get saved all the time? And his simple answer was, he never moves from the ABCs of the gospel. So he says it's there where the power actually lies. We always want to go beyond it, but it's the simple, simple gospel where the power of God lies. Um, 1 Peter 1 verse 18 talks about, it says, Know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. I want to tell you real quick, you know, you know when you think you know what something means, but then you, you Google it and you realize you didn't know what it meant? Or you knew like from context, but the actual definition is just way cooler. I was looking at this and studying it where it says that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. And I was thinking, you know, what, what are these uh, futile ways? And, you know, you can think, well, sin comes to mind and all that kind of stuff. Um, futile means incapable of producing any useful result. And a similar word for it is fruitless. And while I was going through this and just thinking about, well, you know, think about the Old Testament, think about uh, the Old Covenant, what people did. And even in the midst of seeing signs and wonders and the glory of God, they physically saw cloud descending on mountain. They heard the voice of the Lord thunder around them. They saw seas parted. They saw manna come down from heaven. But the futile thing that they walked in continuously is that even in the midst of seeing what God was doing and hearing what God was doing, they failed to acknowledge Him as God. They failed to acknowledge Him as faithful. They failed to acknowledge Him as good and to actually follow His ways, even in the midst of seeing it with their own eyes. And my heart cry for the church in this time is that we would not follow in those footsteps that we would not be a people that right now in the midst of seeing God do a tremendous work throughout the entire world, even in this community, but in the entire world, that we would not fail to acknowledge Him. That we would not fail to honor Him for who He is and what He's doing, even if it's a little bit difficult or inconvenient, even if it's not the way I would like it to go. But Jesus, you are worthy. And, and I want to say, like, I, I refuse to, to bow to what's happening right now. I have to look at him because he's just so worthy. He really is so worthy. And you only know that when you encounter him, when you seek after his face, when you look at him. It's like none of that stuff, it just falls at his feet. It just falls away because it just can't compare to the glory and I want to say what you were ransomed with. The scripture continues. It says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Oh, man. The precious blood of Jesus, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. It was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope are in God. Come on, man. This is the gospel. Jesus died for this, what's happening right now. He's already conquered it. 
whether you can see it right now or not, it's done. It's all subject to Him. His precious blood has purchased so much for us. So, so, so much. And it's our response to that that is so important in this time. The way that we respond to what the Lord has done and is doing is incredibly significant. And it's not a burden. It's, a, it's like a privilege to get to do something. It's a privilege to go, wow, Lord, I don't know what the heck is going on, but I see you. And I thank you that you've ransomed me from this. I thank you that you've brought me so close and that I get to live out the life that wouldn't be possible without you. And we go to Psalm 27. It's one of my favorite Psalms. I found uh, in this time that we've been in in the world where there's mainly just like two verses in this, uh, in this chapter of Psalms that I have like gone to continuously for years and they've just always been my favorite because it's about seeing the beauty of the Lord and it's just so awesome, you know. Um, but it's a lot of the other scriptures in, uh, in this chapter that in the last little while have given me so much more context and value for this kind of response that David actually has here. And uh, I'm just going to read from verse 1, and then we can talk a, bit, a little bit about it. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Here's the why. Because one thing have I asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I want to say that despite the difficult things that have happened in the last little while, this is worse. <laughs> like if you read the story of David, the things that this guy endured, it was really rough. Like go and study this, this time where he wrote Psalm 27, what was going on. Like it was really, really intense, the opposition that was coming against him and, and the calling on his life. But what I find so significant and what we need to take a page out of his book per se is that there was absolutely nothing, no fear, no war, no threats, absolutely nothing that could distract him from what mattered most, that could draw his gaze from the thing that actually gave him the most joy in life, the thing that he was most zealous to pursue, and that was the face of God. All he wanted was to dwell in his temple, to gaze upon his beauty, and to inquire in his temple, to meditate on his temple, to just meditate on the goodness of the Lord. This is the one thing that the church has been called to. Our highest call is to seek the face of God. Even woven into the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. 
The whole point of the gospel, the essence of the gospel is reconciliation. The highest call, God's highest desire is for man to see his face, to come close and to draw near to the throne. And I love how the scriptures like Hebrews 4 and 10, it talks about drawing near to the throne with boldness and confidence. Why? Because you're not coming near as a servant who has the fear of um, disappointing him or that you failed in some task that you've been asked to do. You're drawing near as a son and as a daughter. So every time you come, you are overjoyed to see him knowing that he is overjoyed to see you and he paid a great price for us to get there so in the midst of all of this stuff David's first response rather than coming up with some kind of a a strategy or even hiding or shrinking back or anything immediately his default is there's one thing that matters most to me and that is the presence of the Lord and in verse 5, I want you to see, look at the, the fruit of that kind of decision, the, the, the fruit of um, making that the priority. Verse 5 says, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. I love that something got difficult, his response was worship. And the fruit of worship was being covered by God. And then his response by being covered by God was just to worship all over again. Like, this is it, man. This is everything. Worshiping Jesus. Staying in this place of, Lord, I don't understand anything else, but one thing I'm going to ask of you and that I will seek after. That's also really important. He asked, but he also sought after the presence of the Lord. He didn't just ask and wait around. He made the face of God a priority in his life, the highest priority in his life. And there was nothing that could make him shrink back from that. Verse 8 says, You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Wow. You know, what's so beautiful about this is when you go study the word there, when he says, You have said, Seek my face. The word seek is actually not addressed uh, to just a singular person. It's, it's addressed as a plural. It's, it's addressed to, to multiple people. And uh, what I love is his response is still himself. The Lord over multiple people says, seek my face. And David says, my heart says to you, Lord, your face will I seek. You are responsible for stewarding your own heart. But I want to say that because the Lord is asking us corporately to seek Him, it requires both an individual response and a corporate response. And not out of an obligation. It is the most beautiful thing to be able to gather together as the bride of Christ, as the body, as the church, and simply worship Jesus together. That is a marvelous, marvelous privilege and not something to take lightly, especially not in these days. Um, the writer of Hebrews says that, I think it's Hebrews 10 verse 24 around there, it says, do not neglect to meet together as, in, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Like it's significant that every one of us individually in the secret place, day to day, responds to God like, Lord, your face will I seek. But I also have the privilege of responding in that same way with every single one of you. And that's when wild things really happen. When you've got a room full of people that have responded this way to God, there is nothing that is impossible. What uh, gripped me this week 
in verse 4. Um, you know, obviously understanding that this is written in the Old Covenant where <clears throat> the temple was a physical place. It hadn't even been built at this point. Uh, but he says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And realizing that, do we know and, and believe as the church that we are in fact that temple now? Both, again, individually and corporately. You are temples of the Holy Spirit. And I, I say that with a smile on my face because it excites me, but it is like, it is so profound and it is incredibly important to not take lightly that there is no longer a temple that is made with hands. Um, but the Lord chose that His dwelling place should be with men, in the hearts of men. Can we go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2? I just want us to see what it is that the Lord has actually purchased for us because it just doesn't get old. Like the more you dive into it, the more you read it, the more you study it, the more you spend time with Him. It's like, wow, Lord, this is so awesome. This is so, so, so wild. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, <clears throat> I'm going to go from verse 9. Uh, and understand that what is said here in verse 9 is in the context of, just before he talks about that none of the rulers of this age would have crucified the Lord of glory, would have crucified Jesus, had they known what doing so would actually accomplish, what he was actually purchasing for us, okay? So listen to the scripture, it says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. I want to say to you today with great joy that you are what God has prepared. That what no eye had seen or ear heard or the heart of man imagined is what the Lord has made every single one of us today who have the privilege of living in the new covenant. You are that. Okay? Listen to this. Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Verse 12. Now we have, not, uh, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Reading that this week, and I even want to ask you to ask yourselves the question, not for too long because I will tell you, but <laughs> to ask yourself what it is that has been freely given to us. Think about that for a moment. Do you, does your brain go to like some kind of theological concept or to, I don't know, authority or, or blessings or things like that? Because reading this again this week, like my heart was so gripped in realizing that what the Lord has given us is Himself. He's given us Himself. He's given us His Spirit. And we've said this so many times this year, but we need to be so clear that the, the Holy Spirit is not Jesus Jr. He's not just a taste. He's not a vibe or a feeling. The Holy Spirit is fully God. And even deeper, I, I want you to consider this, that if you, when you read this passage here that we just read now about how no one knows the thoughts of a person except the spirit of that person. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What God has given us is His innermost self. His everything. 
It's not just a taste. He has given us the very essence of who He is. He has decided man's heart, that is the place where I want to make my home. That is the place where my spirit will dwell forever. There is nothing that I will let them do that can change it, that can undo what I'm giving them. I desire to give them everything, all of me, all at once, not in little bits, every single part, my innermost self that nobody can understand except for me, I'm going to give to them. And because it's His very Spirit, that's why it says we can understand the things freely given us by God. It is God Himself who helps us to understand God Himself. And we only get to know that because of the Spirit that He's put inside of us. This is so, 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 so important. When you read this kind of stuff, do you realize like God, God who created everything, He lives in me. Of what should I be afraid? Like David said, like the Lord is my, um, my salvation. He's my refuge. Of whom shall I fear? Like there's just no point because, and, and that was even written before what we have now. Do you understand that what they saw you know, think about like when you read in the Old Testament and, and they saw like these clouds of glory and, and light from heaven and, and pillars of fire leading them in the wilderness and water coming out of rocks, manna falling from heaven, seas being parted, all these crazy, crazy, crazy signs. Yet, we need to remind ourselves that even that external glory is not greater than what the Lord has put inside of us. Because that was just signs and wonders. It was not God Himself. We have the innermost person of God inside of us. And when you just strip it down to being that simple, it's like, could life actually get any better? I don't, I don't think so. Like, regardless of what's going on, God lives inside of me. Like, come on, this is the gospel. And just see, like, I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures to just remind you of who it is that lives inside of you, okay? I'm going to read some of my favorites. Colossians 1 verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Philippians 2, I'll just go from... Uh, verse 5, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hebrews 1 talks about long ago, God spoke in many ways through the prophets, but in these last days, He speaks through His Son, Jesus Christ. And it says that He is the radiance of the glory of God, and He's the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. John 1, last one I'll read just for now. There's more. <laughs> we all know John chapter 1. 
It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. I love the way that's worded. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Come on, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. Verse 16, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This Jesus, this Jesus is the one who decided to make His home Inside of you. And I just want to remind us with great joy but reverence of the price that he actually paid. Because we can't only think of the victory of the cross as Jesus just died for my sins. Yes, he did. But it is so much more than that. What the Lord purchased with his precious blood was so much more. Maybe this year. You've experienced a lot of grief. You've experienced a lot of sorrow. Maybe you feel like your peace has been rubbed from you. Maybe you've been entangled in sin. I don't know. Maybe you've struggled with sickness. I want to read to you from Isaiah 53, knowing that this has already been fulfilled. What Jesus actually purchased for us on the cross. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says this. It says, surely. Everybody say, surely. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Family, I want to encourage you that Jesus really has taken care of everything. He's borne your griefs. He's carried your sorrows. He was crushed for your iniquity and my iniquity and my sin. And by every wound that he inflicted, we get to say that we are healed. We are healed, not will be healed. We are healed. This is done. This is finished. This has been accomplished. And the, the finished work of it now lives inside of you. The resurrected Jesus lives inside of you. And I ask you, what is it that will cause you to shrink back with that reality in mind? Is this just a concept to you or do you really, really believe this? And I promise you, if you just give God even the smallest chance to prove it to you, oh man, He will go so far above and beyond what you can imagine. Just believe and you will see His glory. Just believe, just, just know Him. Make time for Him because those who love Him will prioritize His presence. Simple as that. If you love Him, you will prioritize Him. I love like this, this season that we're going into now. December is so awesome. A beautiful time of... Uh, being with loved ones and celebrating family and being together, and it's so awesome. But I, I ask us, in the midst of all of that, that's all so beautiful, but don't neglect the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. Psalm 139 verse 7 says, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? It's impossible to be dry. It's impossible to not feel him because he's everywhere. I've learned time and time again, when I feel dry, it's because I'm distracted. It's not because God's not there. It's not because he doesn't want to encounter me or it's because he's trying to make me work hard. It's because the affections of my heart have gone elsewhere. It's that simple. We don't have to go deep and understand, oh, why am I not feeling God right now? It's simple. 
just love him. He's everywhere. And he wa- do you think he would endure all of this? I mean, for those of you who have watched Passion of the Christ, I really recommend that you do watch it. Some people say that they can't because it's too gory. And I'm like, well, tape your eyes open because you need to know what he went through. And know that it was worse, actually. Right here, actually, in Isaiah 52. Is it here? Yeah. Isaiah 52, 14 says, uh, His appearance was so marred beyond human resemblance. If you've watched The Passion, you can still recognize that guy. So it was even worse. And I, I, the reason he went through all of that wasn't to make you work hard to encounter God. Man, he, he, he went through the most horrific death in history to make it so natural for you. He, he put his spirit inside of you so that the way that you just live, one with God, it's not complicated. It's so simple. And he wants us to encounter him. He wants us to know him and to love him. Yeah, just, just thank him for that. Thank him for the cross in your own heart right now. What a treasure, what a gift. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We just honor you, Jesus. We honor you. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We honor what you purchased for us, Lord. It's so beautiful. So beautiful, Jesus. I ask that over the next few weeks that you would just allow these scriptures and there's obviously so many others. These are just the ones that were jumping out at me this week, but that you would just allow them to wreck you, to mess you up. Even if you think you already know, you don't know. Just dive deeper. There's layer upon layer, revelation upon revelation that the Lord wants you to experience. He's not concealing it and hiding it for the special ones. It's available for those who are willing. It's available to those who are willing. So over this period, I, over this um, December time, family time, time of, of rest, I just ask that we don't neglect our king. Because what we're going to step into next year is very reliant in a way, I believe, if it's maybe not the right word, but I just feel like we need to be ready. And the way that we get ready is by loving him. Those who love Him will prioritize Him. It's that simple. It's not about not having time. It's about not making time. It's that simple. I just want to end. I'm gonna, I, I feel to just declare a scripture over you. It's a really simple one. It is the last, whoops, it is the last verse of 2 Corinthians, right at the end, 13 verse 14. I just want to declare this over every single one of you, anybody who listens to this later. So simple, but so powerful. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. Just receive this. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I'm going to read it again. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we worship you. We thank you for this marvelous privilege of being your children, of being one with you. We thank you for what you endured to bring us into this, Lord. 
Thank you that you've made it so easy. And Lord, as a family this morning, we just declare in our hearts that we will not shrink back from any tactic of the enemy, anything that the world has to throw on us. Because your spirit lives inside of us, Lord. You are our salvation. You are our refuge. Of whom shall we be afraid? Yeah, Lord, and we just, we just lift up the church to you again this morning. We lift up your beautiful church, your beautiful bride, and we thank you, Lord, that fear has no hold over them. Right now, Lord, I just break any spirit or power of fear over the church in Jesus' name. Any thoughts or mindsets or decisions that are causing people to shrink back, Lord, I rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for the revelation of the Spirit of God, for the revelation of Jesus to arise in the hearts of the church again, Lord, to be so convicted of the one who lives inside of us, the one who has given us not just his life, but everything, everything, Lord. Let it well up such a joy in the hearts of your church again, Jesus. Let the gospel conquer our lives again, Lord. And as a family this morning, Lord, we acknowledge that you are asking us to seek your face. And both individually and corporately right now, Lord, we say your face will we seek. Lord, you are beautiful. And we honor you and we love you so much. We honor your presence, Holy Spirit. Lord, I bless every single person in this room. And I just thank you for that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God to just fill every heart right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that no heart, no life would be the same. Fill them, Lord. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your love. Fill them with your goodness. Fill them with your joy. Fill them with that longing for the more of you. Thank you that from this very moment, life is never the same again because the King of glory has chosen to make his home inside of us. A King of glory. I bless every heart in this place, Lord, and we bless you. We honor you, Jesus. We thank you. We love you so much. We worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen.